when I was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible. They also called me Padre. Welcome to the Dear Padre podcast, where today we're going to reflect on the crucifixion and the words Jesus prays from the cross. I invite you to listen to Psalm 22 and Sidney Carter's Friday Morning, a song that captures the mood for today. Reading from Hebrews. This is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus and by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. These two readings for the Good Friday Liturgy highlight a couple things about Jesus, and I think it's something that we see in the Sidney Carter song, It's God they ought to crucify instead of you and me, I said to the carpenter hanging on the tree. Both the necessity of Jesus' death, that he is enacting the prophetic words that are spoken and written by Isaiah the prophet and many other prophets, and that it is a real human tragedy for not just Jesus, but for all those who love him that were there at the time. Like every tragic event in life, it can be a lot of things. It can be a lot of things. And it is our reflection on the crucifixion uh, that where we find the hope for life and living. The reflections in the book of Hebrews are about how we learn to love and how we learn to endure the hardships of life. We endure them together. It is often said that his followers fled on that day. We know that by most accounts, John is the only disciple that's there, and yet it makes it very clear in several gospel accounts that Mary, his mother, and several other women, some named Mary, stay there to watch the crucifixion. And it is their account that we have written in our holy scriptures. And one account does say some of the disciples were far away, far off. So perhaps there were others observing from a great distance. But their view is the view of Good Friday, the view of heartbreak, of sorrow, of pain. 
As Barbara Johnson said, we live in a Good Friday world. Every day we are confronted with another story of human misery, tragedy, suffering, despair, and we're confronted with it in our own lives as well. How many times this year have you said, it's over, it's never going to get better, um, I've failed, there's never going to be a way out of this one. Um, how many times in our life have we said that? How many times this week have we thought that or felt that? And we live in a Good Friday world where we are daily confronted with the crucifixions of this life. Jesus bore the crushing weight of Roman oppression, a government that had collaborated with Rome, and all the other oppressions of this life. He is bearing that weight on Good Friday in a very visible and vivid way. And we have to stare at it. We have to look at it. We can't look away even 2,000 years later. And as he bears that on Good Friday, we are with him. As St. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. It is in this moment of dying where we see him most alive. The words that he speaks, all seven from the cross that we will say this afternoon at 6 p.m., all of those words are the words of love, are the words of our redemption, the words of our freedom. And yet it seems so cruel and wrong, and it can be all these things all at once. Where is God on Good Friday? We live in a Good Friday world where we wonder, where is God in our world? Where is God when we cry, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus says that from the cross, and he says it in his mother tongue, Aramaic. Ele, ele, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it's real. Whenever someone says that they don't believe in God, it's usually because of a moment like that where they needed God and God wasn't there. It's always strange to me that Christians have at the center of our faith a moment where God abandoned his son on the cross. And we might not like to look at it that way. And certainly theologians can tease out all the nuances of that and how God really didn't abandon Christ on the cross. And that might be a kind of subtle heresy that creeps into the church or that, but ultimately we all know it's true. We live in a Good Friday world where God abandons us and there's only silence and there's nothing out there to help us. And if you've never had that moment, you probably will someday. And if you've lived long enough, you've probably had a bunch of those. And that is the center of our faith. And yet, this is only part of the story. The abandonment of humanity, the abandonment of Jesus, that he is forsaken by God. All of that is the first part of the story of our salvation. There is another part coming. We live in a Good Friday world, but we are an Easter people, as Barbara Johnson says. That's the other half of the quote. 
We live in a Good Friday world, but we are an Easter people. In the midst of the Good Fridays of our day, we know that this is just part of the story. And when it happens to us, it's just part of the story. It's hard to believe that when you're there with Jesus on the cross. It's hard to believe that when the thunder is shaking, when we are being mocked and spit upon. It's hard to believe that when we feel what Jesus is feeling there. And yet that's part of the story. So be an Easter people today. The absurdity of the crucifixion is real. And the abandonment that you feel is real. And so on this day, we don't argue with Jesus about how he feels. We listen to him. And we think about the times in our life where we've felt that or people that we love have felt that. And there's really nothing we can do for them. Can't really cheer them up. Can't really tell them that things are going to get better because they don't believe it. But we wait with them. And we do what these early disciples of Jesus did. They carried his body to the tomb. That was all they could do. And we carry each other into the tombs of our lives, knowing that resurrection will happen, knowing that we will rise again, knowing that in a Good Friday world, we are an Easter people. Amen. Almighty God, we pray you graciously to behold this your family for whom our Lord Jesus Christ was willing to be betrayed and given into the hands of sinners and to suffer death upon the cross, who now lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Um, well, I was going to talk about when, um, I can't do this with my headphones in. I'm sorry if the audio is bad, but um, can you hear me? Yeah, it's perfect. Perfect. Okay. Um, when I was really little, starting pretty young, um, something happened to me that I didn't understand at the time, and it really hurt. Like, I felt something happen in my knee, and um, I told, you know, the people, the, the adults in my life that, you know, my knee really hurt, and I didn't have the words to explain it. Um, and they were like, okay, well, you know, walk it off. Um, falling down hurts sometimes. And so that's what I did. And um, it happened once every few years. And then as I got older, it became more frequent. It was just something that was kind of part of life was occasionally my knee would really hurt. And as I got older, I had better words to describe what was happening. And it felt like my knee was giving out on me. Um, then after this happening more frequently in middle school, uh, PE, we were playing some sort of game and, um, all of a sudden I fell and my me. I it was a familiar feeling, but it hurt so much worse, and it was in my other leg. Oh, I'm sorry. I should tell people that this is. Um, I'll try not to be so specific about the injuries because I know that that can be really hard for some people. But suffice to say that um, this was different. It was in my other leg, and so 
Um, nobody knew at the time, but I had to go to the doctor. My mom had to come get me. And um, usually I was able to walk it off, but this time I was not. And when I tried to stand up again, because I was embarrassed about falling over and I was in pain, and um, but I wasn't able to walk it off this time. So we went to the doctor and I couldn't walk into the doctor's office. My mom had to kind of help shoulder me and I hopped um, from, my mom parked right in front of the door and I hopped into the doctor's office. And I remember it was really hard because my doctor was my pediatrician who I had for years. And um, she essentially said that there wasn't anything wrong and um, that I'd be okay in a couple of days. And um, my mom had to really fight to uh, just for me to get crutches so that I could walk out the door. And the doctor told me basically not to use it for more than one or two days because we didn't want to baby the injury and or baby my leg and then have a worse problem on our hands. And um, which I was grateful for the crutches because I could not walk on my leg. Um, luckily, my mom um, knew something else was going on, which was something that I had always struggled with was feeling like um, I'm, I'm pretty pain sensitive. So feeling like I was putting something out of proportion, I felt really guilty about that. And but she still went to another doctor and we went to an orthopedic specialist and I had torn a tendon in my leg, in my knee. Um, and come to find out, he said that it was actually most likely because my other leg was so um, different that uh, my, uh, my right leg had been compensating for that. And so that's why I wasn't able to just get up right away. So I had to wear a leg brace on that leg. And then once that healed up, I uh, started going to different doctors to see what could be done about um, what I ended up finding out was chronic dislocation in my left leg. Um, it was really relieving actually to find out that there was something wrong with me um, in a way that I feel like a lot of people who have medical issues feel guilty about um, because we don't want to it's, it's this weird feeling of feeling like grateful to have something serious going on because the pain has been there this whole time and we didn't uh, have the words to say. And we like, it's kind of makes you feel like you're going crazy. But um, from that point, we started to uh, go to doctors and uh, I started, I got braces to hold my knees in place so that they would stop dislocating um, before I can have my surgery. And then uh, I started dealing with something that was I was not used to. When I came back, um, I, you know, a lot of people saying like, oh, it didn't seem like you really fell that hard. Or like, oh, I'm surprised that you're hurt. And like kind of the same thing I'd always been explaining. Like I didn't get hurt because I fell. I fell because I got hurt. Um, and then hearing, overhearing people say like, oh, I hate, like it's so cringy when people wear like their braces and stuff to school because they just want to look athletic and it's like knowing that there was something wrong with me that I was wearing these things for helped a little bit but I still remember just being so embarrassed but you know not stopping because I didn't want my knee to dislocate but um eventually I did get surgery and that was um not that bad because I was asleep but uh 
but afterwards, um, my mom had met and married my stepfather, uh, while I, uh, I was finishing up middle school. So when we came back from that surgery, he had, we lived in an upstairs condo and he had to carry me up the stairs while I full grown at that point, um, was like planking across and he's carried me up the stairs so that I could get into the apartment after my surgery or the condo. And, um, that was something that I always will remember a lot, but, uh, then there was like a lot of healing. So after that surgery, I was out of school for close to a month, uh, or a month and a half. And then afterwards, my knee started dislocating to the inside. So it was another, to the other direction, I should say. So it was this feeling of hopelessness that once something goes right, another thing um, goes wrong and that there's a sense of never being fixed or never being right. And so they had to go back in. And even though everything was perfect, my muscles had adapted and they had to account for that. Um, after that, after all of my surgeries and everything, I did get better and I don't have that problem anymore unless I like slip or something, then it can cause my knees are less stable than other people's. And so I didn't want to, didn't know if I wanted to do this at first because a part of me doesn't feel recovered. Like I always, even just walking out to my car just now, my it's wet outside and my feet feel unstable. And if my foot slips out from underneath me, there's a chance that my knee will dislocate. And there's always this fear that I have, but I don't think that that means that I'm not, that I haven't come a really long way. There's so many things that have happened and I don't, I'm not a believer that um, I'm blessed to have some sort of issue or that anybody's blessed to have some sort of pain or um, if for other people for trauma and all that. But I, this is the one instance that I do feel really thankful because I, this is going to jump back, but I grew up. Um, for most of my childhood without having a father or at all, um, or a stepdad. And then my mom met and married my stepdad, um, within like a week and a half. And so all of a sudden I had this man in my life and having him carry me up those stairs has some, been something that's always been very pivotal to my understanding of fatherhood and having someone you can depend on like that. And I mean, I finished growing in seventh grade, so I was a full adult sized person and he still carried me in his arms up those stairs. And I wouldn't have that memory um, and that dependence on him had I not been in that situation. And I don't, I'm not thankful for the injury or anything like that, but I'm thankful for the beauty that has come from that. Like the, relationship I have with the man I consider my dad um, is only, not only possible, but some um, cherished memory from that relationship was only possible because of the pain that I'd been through. And um, I guess if I had to, I wouldn't trade any of the pain that I've gone through or the fear that I still have if I would lose that memory and that's not true for everything I've experienced. And there's a lot of things that don't make any sense and that 
it doesn't seem that beauty ever comes from it. So I don't want to make it sound like that's how I believe what I believe. But in this instance, I feel like that is a sign of my recovery that I can be thankful for the things that I've, the beautiful things that I've gotten from this experience. So, um, I do feel like I noticed retroactively or, um, reflecting back on that experience. Um, even though I am still afraid, like I've been pushing myself more recently and trying to do more exercises and, um, uh, I don't want to say their name, but somebody, because <laughs> this is recorded, but somebody from the church gave me, um, roller skates. And that was something I never would have considered before because of my fear of not being on stable ground was so severe. And I can't skate yet, but I've been loving getting ready and practicing my balance. And I guess this whole 40 days of recovery has really helped me to realize how far I've come, even if I still have some scars. So thank you everybody for listening. And I'm sorry if it was a little long winded, but I love you guys. We love you too, EB. Thank you for sharing your story with us. A reading from the prophet Isaiah. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his farm marred beyond human likeness. So he will sprinkle many nations and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see. And what they have not heard, they will understand. Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and, he held, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We are like sheep. We, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? And he was cut off from the land of the living, for the transgressions of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, 
he will soothe his offering, offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.